very happy to 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 be on the show today. Hell yeah! No, we're we're really excited to have you, and I'm I'm joined by my co-host Super High and Chase. Say hey, what's up, guys? What up, Bobby? How are you doing? Hey, Bobby. Welcome to the Base Space. Thanks for the welcome. I'm doing really good here. Good, good. What time is it where you're at? Uh, it's 10 a.m. for me over here, so pretty decent awesome, time. Hours. Yeah, so pretty oh, early. Nice. Where, uh, where, where are you based out of? I'm based in Malaysia. Okay, nice. Me That's awesome. you. I think you're our first, uh, first guest from Malaysia. Yeah, that's great to hear. I actually made it super convenient to coordinate. We didn't have to do like a six a.m. episode. <laughs> Yo, I think I think we should uh, start keeping like uh, like have like a little you know those like old little boards that people would uh, stick pins on where they travel to. We should start like having pins dropped for you know all the locations around the globe in which uh, we've had guests join us. Um, it's awesome just to have this like international connection so it's really cool bobby no it's it's awesome uh bobby i'm curious like how'd you actually get started in crypto yourself um yeah i've been in crypto space for quite a long time actually um first heard about bitcoin in 2013 uh right after i graduated i did a degree in economics uh in 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 ucl in london and um, I was kind of teaching myself how to code, and and I spent a lot of time on Hacker News, which was kind of a tech forum where a lot of uh, devs kind of read. And a lot of people back then in 2013 was talking about Bitcoin, which was kind of a new form of money. And having just spent three years of my life learning about money, economy, and supposedly one of the best unis in, in the world, in London. and. I got curious, like, why didn't my lecturers talk anything about Bitcoin or this new form of money that the uh, tech guys are crazy about back in 2013? So I got curious. I read the white paper and decided that, you know what, there's no harm in giving this a try. What's the worst that can happen? Like, I mean, just put $100 in, the worst that can happen is I lose $100. So I kind of bought Bitcoin from, uh, back then, Coinbase was available in the US, but where I'm at, um, there was no such thing. So I had to use a peer-to-peer platform. So I use local Bitcoins and basically purchase it from some random stranger on the internet. And I received the Bitcoin and transferring the Bitcoin from my local Bitcoins wallet to a non-custodial wallet that I hold uh, back then was uh, blockchain.info, now blockchain.com, uh, was kind of a game changer to me because for the first time you actually own assets that you fully control without needing to trust any centralized intermediary. Uh, that to me is a game changer because I think even back then, like a lot of people are talking about PayPal freezing funds that you legitimately earn from doing work, from freelancing, for example. And with Bitcoin, like nobody in the world can take your funds away from you. So that was kind of how I got into Bitcoin. And over the years, we kind of kind of played around, dabbled in the space. And I think everything that we see in Ethereum these days was kind of talk about even back then in 2014, um, Vitalik in the early days was kind of talking a lot about uh, smart contracts. Back then, he was kind of working on MasterCoin and there was early white papers on BitShares as well, talking about the potential of smart contracts and all the DeFi applications that you see today and, and of course NFT as well. 
Um, obviously, it's really hard to build all those features on Bitcoin. And that's, that's the reason why um, Vitalik and his crew kind of launched Ethereum. So kind of gone that journey. And uh, before that as well, we, we, I wanted to play a role in, in the crypto space and kind of wanted to find a way, a niche where, where we could kind of build something that is valuable for the world. Obviously, being based in Malaysia, I uh, wasn't very, I don't know, I don't know if you look at it as a benefit or not a benefit. Um, so we didn't raise any venture funding and kind of grew and uh, decided to build a data business out from where we are in Malaysia. There was no reason why people from Malaysia couldn't build something like this. Um, I think back then, a lot of ideas was sort of to build a crypto exchange. Everybody, when they thought about crypto first, the first idea that came out to mind was, let's build a crypto exchange. And we decided that we don't really have the expertise to deal with regulators and 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 you know holding customer funds and all those things. Those are and dealing with bank banking bank accounts to have the fiat on ramp. Those are all very difficult tasks, and uh, we don't have the expertise. But we have expertise in in looking at data, building a, a nice website, understanding the user needs, and that's sort of where where we were and 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 how we decided to kind of focus on building CoinGecko. Yeah, then no, you, you touched on a few things. I uh, I actually have experience with my PayPal account getting frozen. Um, so yeah, I totally know uh, what that's like to be locked out of basically thousands of dollars within my PayPal account. So it makes makes like the decentralization aspect of crypto is is amazing because that that third party that middleman can't uh, doesn't exist in a sense. And uh, no, it's really really cool to hear that you were you know almost in it from. The very the very start i'm curious like were you were you part of like the initial like email thread where vitalik was kind of pitching ethereum or did that that initial email get forwarded along to you no i what I, I wasn't in the initial email thread uh but i was following vitalik's work uh very uh, closely uh i was pretty much reading a lot of his articles back then he was he published a lot of them on bitcoin magazine uh, he, I mean, he obviously started the, the website back then as well. So I kind of followed along. And when he announced the Ethereum ICO, I mean, I, I sort of participated as well. So I was there from the genesis of Ethereum, I suppose. A lot of people, I mean, kind of pointed out that, you know, Ethereum was like kind of a show bet. Like if you had the turn back time, you would have bet everything on Ethereum. But a lot of people forgot that um, Ethereum wasn't a show bet back then. Like it took over a year for... Uh, the Ethereum Foundation to deliver the first working code and for the product to go live. And during that time, like the Ethereum Foundation raised uh, the money in Bitcoin. And I think in, if I remember correctly, it was sometime in 2014 or so, I can't remember exactly when. But during that one year when they were building uh, Ethereum, like Bitcoin uh, value went down by, I don't know, 80% or so. So there was real reasons to believe that uh, the Ethereum Foundation was running out of money and there is a possibility that they could not deliver the working prototype. Thankfully, that didn't turn out. Uh, they kind of hustled their way and found a way to to launch Ethereum. And I guess the rest is history. But yeah, that, that was kind of fun uh, in the early days watching uh, it literally building Ethereum. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And now now you've gone on to, you know, found CoinGecko, which I'm pretty sure, of, you know, almost everyone that's getting started in crypto will eventually end up on your website. I'm curious, like, what were some of the early lessons um, that you learned from actually building out CoinGecko? I think the biggest lesson for us was kind of 
building something that people want. Uh, so, I mean, you can kind of raise venture money or whatever and, and kind of build things and have this false sense of progress that you are constantly building things. But if that's not what the market wants, then eventually it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be a struggle. We saw many companies uh, back from the 2014, 2015 cohort sort of running out of cash in 2017 or so. Um, Maybe they were building things that the market didn't want, or they were probably a bit too early as well uh, in the space. So, I think I think building something that people want, uh, and it's just kind of a mindset that we still kind of uh, follow quite closely in CoinGecko, trying to understand what the market needs and trying to uh, build those things. And also another lesson that we learned was kind of like timing really matters, I suppose. Like if you were too early, like you may have everything right but accept the timing and, and the product may not fly. Uh, so kind of having the funds to kind of slug it through, especially in a crypto space where the bull and bear cycle sort of lasts every roughly four years or so. A lot of uh, people, when they raise funding, they sort of have like a 18 to 24 months runway, which is kind of okay in most non-crypto startups. Sort of prove your hypothesis, but in crypto, um, I think that people come in and go, and that affects the total addressable market a lot. And if you are in a bear market, no matter how much money you put into advertising, uh, I think like, it's just really hard. Like the market is just not gonna grow. So you just gotta get, have the cash to kind of survive through a bear cycle and then kind of prepare for the next, next bull cycle because historically the, the next bull cycle has always been stronger and bigger than the previous one. Bobby, I'm actually curious. I feel like you're in a very unique position uh, with CoinGecko to where you have to kind of have a great grasp of the entire market. Um, I'm just curious, like, what is your um, thoughts around just the explosive growth that we've seen over the last like, year and a half um, compared to like the prior like five years before that? So I, I, we hold a view that anything that of value that can be tokenized will be tokenized. So we sort of see a future where there will be millions of tokens that will be traded. And I think to a large extent, we are sort of seeing this renaissance happening right now uh, in front of our very, very own eyes. I think at CoinGecko, we've tracked over close to 9,000 tokens now. I think it's just a matter of weeks before we hit 10,000 tokens that we track. Uh, but if you think about it, there's a lot of tokens these days that we're not even tracking these days. Uh, there's all these tokens, the ERC20 tokens, there's all these LP tokens, and there's all these NFT tokens. So we are definitely getting close to that that future. We at CoinGecko are sort of, I mean, laying the foundation to be this uh, place to track all these uh, millions of tokens that will be available in the future. Um, if you, I mean, to say that I'm not surprised at the recent growth or the recent uh, growth in all these tokens and all would be an understatement. I guess we always, we always know that this day, like where we are today would come, but I don't know, we always say that it will, we're still early days, the future's five years from now. But I mean, comparing to where I was, like where we were like five, six years or seven years ago in 2014 and all, like we've definitely come a long way and the ecosystem's a lot bigger, healthier and larger than what it was back then. So, but I think where we are right now is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, if you talk to a lot of your friends uh, out there, were not in crypto, they, they, they either probably still don't believe in it or they still 
uh, don't know what's happening in it. I kind of like to view crypto as like the, the, the traditional cycle, the crypt, uh, traditional internet cycle. So kind of like we are in the early stages and the uh, Ubers and the Airbnbs that kind of define Web2 world and hasn't really been built in the Web3 space yet. So a lot of things will be built on top of existing infrastructure and we will be looking at a pretty much exponential growth in the next decade or two. Yeah, I, uh, I love that. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I've often found that it's a lot easier to get friends involved in crypto now because the market has just grown and there's been so many new use cases that like I'll try to find a project or a new protocol that aligns with a particular like hobby or particular interest with whatever friend I'm talking about. And I'll kind of use that as like the stepping stone um, because, you know, this, this whole market is just at a very high level. It's very conceptual and it can be like very hard to like picture without a lot of the like historic knowledge. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, I mean, to really understand crypto, having this historical context is very useful. And a lot of things are sort of built on top of each other. Some, uh, a lot of them uh, either built on failed ideas that didn't work before or sort of replicated and improved upon. Um, NFTs, for example, I mean, everybody talk about them appearing first on Ethereum, but it actually appeared on Bitcoin first on the counterparty network, uh, which was kind of like a, um, a site, site chain, I suppose. I, I don't know how you want to call it, but like uh, it's a, the rare, rare peep NFTs, right? So, um, but, but yeah, I agree. Like these days, there's a lot more things that can appeal to the wider audience. Back then it was kind of just Bitcoin and it was such a techy, nerdy thing that nobody really understood and nobody really found a reason to talk about it. Uh, everybody who talked about Bitcoin back then was kind of talking about it to, I mean, you're probably a drug dealer or money launderer <laughs> to kind of want to use it. That's kind of the perception. The Silk Road didn't really help uh, perception. But these days, like, uh, Ethereum sort of really changed the game. Like, DeFi, like, had kind of opened up a lot of uh, potential for finance. And NFT is kind of like the gateway drug for mainstream users. So a lot of things like partnerships like the NBA Top Shot, what the NBA Top Shot has done is kind of fantastic because you're reaching out to a lot of people who are interested in NBA, who are interested in collectibles and want to do it in a digital form. And, and all these things are, are definitely doable these days with, with cryptos. So yeah, I, and I think like games like Axie Infinity definitely helping to, to broaden the appeal of, of crypto. What I think is going to happen in the future is like um, you'll be using an app, for example, and without even realizing that this underlying technology is sort of blockchain technology, could be Ethereum or Flow or whatever blockchain it is, and 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 the user doesn't need to know, but underlying it is, is blockchain tech. So I kind of see this happening, and how it's playing out will be a very interesting uh, play to watch in the next few years. You know, Bobby, I'm so impressed that you've actually like stuck it out through like some of the biggest bear markets that we've had in history. Like what what clicked for you? Like what made it like what made it so you could actually, you know, continue to stay passionate about crypto even during its its darkest hours? I think it's just understanding the belief and the reason why these things need to exist. Like, I mean, you, you your story on why 
we need a decentralized payment system because if it's your money, you don't want a centralized third party like PayPal sending you an email one day and saying that, you know what, we want you out of our system. We have frozen this account that has, I don't know, $10,000, money that you work really hard to earn and they say like, off you go. You don't want to wake up one day receiving an email from your bank saying your account is closed because whatever reason they want to give, right? And, and that's kind of the main fundamental reason why like, if you have that, for me, it was, that was the kind of a main fundamental reason of why we need uh, decentralized technology. We need a way to kind of remove power from the centralized intermediary so that we can control things that we own ourselves. I mean, if the, mo the money that we earn is our money, right? Why should a bank or PayPal or any financial intermediary say that, or, or even have the right to, you know, take this money away from us? And I mean, it's very easy for them to freeze an account, but it takes a lot of effort for you to unfreeze the account. You've got to prove that this money belongs to you and you earn it legitimately. Crypto, I mean, you don't need to do all this thing. You, it, everything's on, secured on your side. So that's kind of the main thing. But I mean, if you think about it, like it's really interesting to be in crypto. Like every day is some sort of a new day with new form of innovation. And there's just so much drama going around in crypto as well. Like it's, it's kind of like, it's more fun than watching a, a movie, I suppose. Just reading all this news and, and drama controversy happening in crypto. So uh, I, I don't know. Sort of an addiction, I suppose, as well, kind of to stuck it in in this crypto and kind of see where things will go. Uh, but I mean, the other thing is also, I kind of know that this is an early stage thing. Like if you knew where the internet would be today and you kind of were using internet or had the chance to invest or participate or grow in the internet space back in the early 2000s, like by all means, like take the chance and, and see where you'll go, right? Because the total addressable market the, the industry growth will be tremendous. So that's kind of like where I see crypto as well. Like the next 20 years will be fantastic growth for crypto. Everything in the world will be, will be incorporating crypto and it will be interesting to see how I can play a role in this, in this industry. I, I totally agree with that. Um, honestly, just the next, I'm personally excited for the next 20 years because really once the foundation gets built is when you start seeing all these extra ordinary use cases i guess you could say like you're mentioning the uber the airbnb this you know stuff like that but if you don't have a foundation none of that can be built so really it's just uh it's time and bobby i just wanted to go back real quick uh and ask about the the listings of coin gecko how do you guys sort through and track new tokens and um kind of decide which ones get to get listed and which don't yeah, sure. Uh, so we have a request form. It's on coingecko.com slash request. And whenever there's a new token or a lot of people, or we tell everyone to sort of go fill up this form and they have to provide all this information. So you can sort of imagine when you have a form out there, like you have all kinds of people filling up the form and some could be legit, most of them are legit, but you could also imagine a lot of scammers trying to impersonate and put out a, a fake request as well. So uh, what we do is we have an internal team, our ops team, basically going through every single request and checking them against it. Scam tokens, rug pool, do our best to sort of filter them out as best as we can. Uh, but obviously some of them still kind of slip through the cracks. Uh, but, but yeah, we have an internal checklist and, and we do our best to sort of filter and we kind of have an ear in the market if if we accidentally listed a token that is sort of a scam and someone's probably going to tell us that, you know, this is 
probably not a good token to be listed and we will remove them. Or if a token that we listed got like rock or got uh, exploited, for example, we put a message out there saying that, uh, you know, this token has been exploited or the smart contract has been updated. We do our best to sort of educate or share information with the market whenever we can. Uh, and we and a lot of them sort of relies on community participation. If we don't receive this information from the community, then it's really hard to curate. So um, I suppose it's, it, it's helpful when you're big, like more people will want to help contribute and kind of help the rest of the community not get scammed or to educate the rest of the community on, on some of the tokens as well. No, I 100% agree. I mean, scam coins or rug pulls, how, how many people are actually going to use your service or go to you for reliable information? So, I mean, I, I totally agree. Um, could you touch on a few of the criteria in order to, uh, like a token that that a token needs to meet before getting on there? I know you had mentioned smart contracts and um, basically just not being. Yeah. So, so this set of criteria that we have that we use to evaluate is sort of an internet criteria. We don't sort of disclose them, but I can kind of start, I can give like a few uh, criteria that we check. The reason why we don't disclose the exact criteria is because we found from history that anything that gets measured gets manipulated. So any criteria that we use internally, if we kind of announce it, then it will definitely get manipulated. Like people would know that they would need to do certain things to kind of pass this criteria. But in short, uh, some of the things that we look about look look at before we list the tokens would be kind of uh, would be the volume of a coin. For example, if the coin that wants to be listed, for example, only has like fifty dollars worth of trading volumes, probably not a token that no that people care about. For example, we also look at the liquidity that is available in the for, that is available that is that's locked in the in the DAX, for example, on Uniswap or PancakeSwap, for example. Uh, I, I mean, the in in the smart contract, and also if the liquidity is actually locked, for example, uh, we look at the number of token holders, for example. Um, we look at the number of transactions, um, number of exchanges that are listed. Uh, uh, it has to be listed on an exchange that we track. So that's kind of number one criteria, right? If 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 this token is available only on a centralized or decentralized exchange that we don't track, then obviously we can't get the pricing and volume information and we can't get it up. Uh, and, and this happens sometimes as well. Uh, people just sometimes, especially some of the scammer projects, scammy projects, they, they sort of uh, create a new token, they create their own centralized exchange and then sort of trade there and then, I, I don't know, watch trade their own token and, and give the impression that it's, it's got a lot of interest from the community, but it's all Fake, fake in general, fake, data, fake, uh, fake, fake data, right? Um, but yeah, some of them. So this is some. These are some of the criteria that that we use to evaluate. Uh, so I hope that's sort of useful. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, that actually kind of le led into my next question about people just like, like nefarious parties trying to pull strings to get listed because you know, coin coin gecko can be a boost to the the price of a token, right? You know, some people get hyped over that. Uh, do you see? or receive any nefarious actors trying to pull strings to get listed or is it more just legit projects that are that are contacting y'all on the daily i mean when you have ten thousand tokens listed or close to ten thousand tokens like there will be bound to be a percentage of them who will be uh having bad intentions right who have bad intentions so yes definitely there are people uh they want to pull strings they want to offer bribes 
I mean, our listings are free. There are no payments uh, for, to, to get a token listed on CoinGecko. There are, that being said, there are people out there who are trying to scam projects saying that, you know, if you pay us X amount of money, we'll get you listed on CoinGecko within X number of days. I mean, that's not true. Uh, what this means is they just probably fill up a request form and then uh, our team checks on this form every day and that if the, if the token fulfills the criteria, then you get it listed anyways. Or some of them just takes your money and just disappear. And, and we have cases of people getting scammed from these uh, impersonators trying to uh, get people to pay for, for listings, for example. And it also happens for advertising, for example. People sort of impersonate our emails and sort of send it out to, to, to users, to random users, random crypto users to sort of you know, pay for services that we sometimes offer for free or some of them we actually pay. But like, so some of the more scarier in, in, uh, phishing attempts were sort of like, you imagine like CoinGecko. Uh, so it, our email is hello at coingecko.com. So, but like, so there are people registering domain like CoinGecko, but like imagine I with a slanted dot, instead of a dot, a slanted dot, or like a CoinGecko instead of a normal K is a Russian acrylic K. So these are domains that people have registered to and set, send out to random strangers. And, and we've had a few people kind of uh, not checking completely the from email or the reply to email and sort of, uh, and, and they always want to move the conversations to Telegram. And then you never know whether the person that you're talking on Telegram is the actual CoinGecko staff or uh, impersonator, right? So there's a lot of these scamming attempts out there in the market. Uh, we do what we can to prevent, but that's only so much that we can do. Yeah, but I'm actually curious. Like, um, I, I know the struggles of like the operations world. Um, it, it's never a perfect world in operations. Um, I'm actually curious. Like, do you have any teams that kind of retroactively go through listings to kind of like double vet the lists um, to kind of identify or root out any sort of bad actors that may have like um, got through the initial listing process. So usually we rely on community feedback and um, I mean, if a coin, also if a coin, like for, for example, after listing, like it doesn't have any more trading volume, it sort of died off. We have a script that sort of removes sort of these dead coins from CoinGecko. Um, can't remember exactly. I think we have, I think we've probably listed around 17, 18,000 coins or so. And then probably half of them has died in like the last five, seven years, like probably around eight, close to 9,000 active these days. Uh, like when we say dying, like it's probably like completely dead, like no trading volume whatsoever, not even trading or any centralized or decentralized exchange. Uh, also, we receive feedback from community uh, whenever a coin, for example, gets added to a financial regulators watch list or alert list, for example. So for example, like um, if we find a coin that is on the, is on, that has been red flagged by, uh, by the SEC or by any other financial regulators worldwide, we will most likely take it down or at least put a massive warning at the top that, you know, this coin has been, is on the, is on the, 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 the watch list of some financial regulator with a link to the, the to, that, to that, that financial regulator's website and they say, we say, please do your due diligence because yeah, a lot of people need to know. And sometimes with the scam coins, like they sell the, 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 the grand picture and then they are going after people that are not sophisticated in crypto. We do what we can, but sometimes 
when you're talking to people who wants to be scammed, it's just really hard to convince them that this is a scam, for example. Did that answer your question, Chase? Um, hey, so Bobby, I had, I was actually interested. Um, how do you can you explain like some of the work with eToro and Crypto.com? Kind of what you guys do with those different exchanges? Yeah, so the business model for CoinGecko is advertising. So about a large majority of our revenue comes from advertising, and eToro and Crypto.com are two of our largest advertisers, and that's that's why you see the. Uh, their buttons or their placement everywhere. So all those things are labeled as sponsored. So they, they pay us money to acquire users for their exchanges. And, and that's how we make our money. Uh, the plan for us is to sort of diversify our revenue sources away from advertising. So if you notice the things that we've been doing in the past couple of years, past year or so, we've started producing more content. So like things like the how to DeFi books, how to Bitcoin book, and we plan to sort of write more of this um, content pieces. Uh, we are also organizing an NFT conference this November. Uh, it's called GeckoCon, uh, NFT's gone wild. So we have uh, curated a bunch of NFT speakers and, and we started selling um, our conference tickets. So that's kind of like a new form of revenue for us. So these are things that, that and also we have the CoinGecko Premium, right? So which is kind of a subscription for you to have, to support us, to have ad-free version of CoinGecko and, and the plan is to sort of add more features on this premium product that we have. So yeah, that's that's the relationship. Awesome. Thank you for touching that. Uh, also, for anybody that wanted to check out that conference, I put it at the top, uh, put the tweet at the top if you want to check that out. Yeah, it's like, um, is it a in-person event or is it a uh, is it going to be like web web based? Yeah, so it's a it's a web based event. So it's a virtual event. So we started selling tickets at like ninety uh, percent discount last week. Uh, Five, you can get it for like five dollars, four ninety nine, four ninety nine. Uh, kind of. So the the plan is to sort of increase the price. Um, uh, every by ten percent. Uh, up to a hundred percent towards the the conference date. Uh, I mean, you get a ticket, you can access it, and you also um get some NFTs from us and also from some of our partners as well. Um, I think the plan is to look into organizing an in person event. Uh, but COVID sort of, we've always wanted to do a conference. But COVID sort of changed the game, I suppose. It's really hard to organize an in-person event these days. So I hope that COVID disappears as fast as we can. Then we can uh, sort of look into organizing a physical, physical conference at some point in the future. That's awesome. Um, are, you, are you guys, I'm assuming since it's still a bit ways out, are you guys still working on finalizing the guests? Or do you guys already have um, some people from the NFT, NFT community locked in? Yeah, so we have about 50 speakers confirmed so far. I think the aim for us is to sort of get 150 speakers. So we are sort of still curating the, the guest list and uh, the speaker list. And, and, and we're still inviting like people in talking to speakers to invite them for the conference to speak. That's awesome. I love how you guys are like um, going for us, uh, going for this because uh, it's a very unique niche fit within the market, um, especially with the latest boom of um, NFTs. Um, you had actually touched on this a little bit around ways you um, you guys kind of monetize. I, I did want to cover uh, your products actually because I'm I'm a big user of CoinGecko for researching. Um, it, it is honestly my my go to 
but I didn't even realize that you guys actually have products. Um, would you want to spend a couple of minutes just kind of going into your premium and premium plus products that you guys offer? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the basic premise for premium is basically to sort of have people who are big supporters of CoinGecko and want to have like an ad, have a better experience using CoinGecko to not have to see all these ads that we have. So like, and, and, and we, we, we give you the opportunity, for example, to sort of uh, pay us to have all these ads removed so you don't get to see all these eToro and crypto.com ads, for example. Um, some of the ideas uh, that we have is we have this uh, loyalty program as well called like CoinGecko Candies. And one of the things that we, and we have a lot of partners that have worked together with us to sort of give out freebies and uh, uh, discounts to, to all these products. And the idea is to sort of, if you're signed up to the premium product, premium, premium program that you get to collect these candies at a faster rate. So we did a lot of these NFT drops. We work with budding artists and, and kind of release 1000 NFTs. And those that have candies can sort of claim, um, um, these NFTs for free, these drops. And the idea is to also sort of grow our research site. And we've, we have this uh, weekly uh, newsletter covering kind of like the most interesting yield farming projects for the week. So that sort of goes into the premium plus subscribers and people who want to, for example, um, know which farms to kind of farm, for example, would we would want to probably take a look at, at our, our weekly farm watch newsletter. Uh, we also have like a premium chat uh, that, that that is uh, filled with our analysts, for example, and we kind of talk about stuff like that. And, and, and obviously like those who subscribe to our premium offering gets access to our books, like the how to DeFi, how to Bitcoin, and, 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 and hopefully another book on NFT soon. I actually bought the uh, how to DeFi or use the discount with all the candies I connect, uh, collected. You, you used the uh, candies to, to redeem a free book, right? Like, that's what you said? No, no, no. I st- uh, no, I paid for it, but I used my candies. Nice, nice. So, yeah, I mean, the, we have a few different plans out there. I think that if you collect the points, the candies every day, you get to get a discount code, or you can, if you collect it long enough, you get to redeem a free book. So the books, uh, I mean, can be, get, got, can, be, can be obtained for free if you kind of are a lawyer user of, of CoinGecko. That being said, like, it's interesting how like, even though the books can be obtained for free or via subscri- a premium subscription, a lot of people still just end up paying for the book, and, and that's an interesting uh, data point for us. Could you, uh, could you actually go a little bit more in detail on like what exactly the private chat group looks like with uh, the research analysts? I know that's under the uh, premium model for yeah. everyone listening. That's um, $832 a month, but $99.90 a year. Um, and that's one of the, the perks of it. Uh, but that's one that kind of piques my okay. interest. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think a lot of people sort of have very high expectations of that. Uh, and they come in like thinking that this group will have like trading signals, buy now, sell now. I mean, we don't do all those things. It's just, we have like a few analysts and we kind of share our thoughts on the market. Uh, we write, we have a lot of uh, write-ups. So we sort of have uh, analysts write like research pieces on like um, uh, at the market. For example, one of our guys just completed a piece looking at CryptoPunks, the apes, uh, and then the penguins as well. And we share this like 
articles out to our group uh, before we publish it to the to the to the public, and anyone who's interested can kind of ask questions, and we can kind of share our thoughts on 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 the topic. So it's more research instead of like trading signals. We don't really give like um, buy or sell signals, I suppose, but more like discussion on kind of the research, and we can kind of discuss some of those things. Um, but I mean, that's kind of like just one of the the the, the minor selling points. Like I mean, if, if someone's signing up just purely for the chat group and want to milk it and all that's probably not like the the biggest biggest uh benefit i suppose gotcha yeah that makes sense um cool uh super did you want to discuss the api yeah i move locations let me pull my my drive up real fast you caught me right in the middle of moving uh, no worries, yeah. no worries. I, I can pick it off yeah go for it uh, so Bobby, actually continuing on uh, the way that you guys monetize, could you kind of touch on um, the revenue model that you guys have, have of selling subscriptions under the API? Uh, yeah, so we so so when we drew CoinGecko, we we a lot of people over the years was asking us for data and then we were sort of processing them manually, like downloading CSV reports from our database and sending it out. Uh, eventually that became kind of too cumbersome and we built an API to sort of serve uh, this request to kind of automate it. And when we did an API, we sort of kind of built a, a really generous and easy to use API that anybody could sort of use um, without any API keys. And we kind of gave out this API for free. I think that sort of earned quite a lot of uh, goodwill from the community because a lot of people sort of use this API to to integrate to their web app or their dApp and to show like crypto token price or information. Uh, I know a lot of people sort of use our API to plug into Google Sheets and sort of build their own personalized portfolio tracker. Over the years, uh, as we built this, we end up subsidizing quite a large bit of the API bandwidth and Eventually, that became quite um, expensive for us, I suppose. Uh, so we had to put rate limits on the API. Uh, some people were abusing it, with the lack of a better word. Like, and and we caught some of these large companies as well, kind of because it's free. Nobody really cared to try to ration the the calls, and um, some of them were like pretty aggressive in using it. Like, I mean, calling it like multiple times per second, for example, and that was kind of had its toe. So we had to put a, uh, uh, had to set rate limits and we sort of implemented some API keys and put out a pro API version. So we sort of uh, were testing things out earlier this year and then um, we were on, we are onboarding more and more enterprise clients onto our pro API. So the plan is yes, we plan to sort of get more like crypto companies uh, who wants reliable API to get them. Uh, obviously, the free API is still very generous uh, with regards to rate limits, so they can use that. But if they need more need, they need more calls. For example, they can always upgrade to a pro API. And I think a lot of uh, what we found out was a lot of the casual users were kind of plugging in the API onto Google Sheets. What ended up happening was everyone in the world was sort of using the API and Google's calling the API from one single Google IP address. So that ended up rate limiting a lot of people on Google Sheets and that sort of have a lot of reliability.
key issues for people. So we are planning to roll out API keys for people who are interested in having a reliable API for their Google Sheets. And that's hopefully coming soon and people can sort of self-serve and get themselves an API key. That's awesome. That's pretty, it's pretty funny whenever you have these like unintended use cases um, that just kind of like pop up and you're like, hold up, what, what, what's going on here? Um, I'm actually curious, you know, we have a lot of uh, Link Marines within. Oh, go ahead, me too. You want to hop in? Yeah, I, I was just curious, Bobby, um, with, with the API, do you guys offer any type of widget or anything like that? Uh, so like the everyday like web developer can just embed CoinGecko on their website, like a, like if they want to show off a particular coin or, or uh, a piece of data. Yes, we do actually. So it's on coingecko.com slash widgets. Um, so you can, there's like, I don't know, five, six, or maybe more different uh, widgets. We've had it for a few years now. So yeah, uh, for any blogger who want to kind of embed this widget for their favorite coin or their favorite coins, like uh, you can kind of uh, embed those widgets there. So that's 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 available. Uh, and then for those more developer-centric one can prefer, they generally prefer to kind of build their own uh, widget or their own custom integration and sort of built in the, the price integration we use using the API. But yeah, we have a widget at coingecko.com slash widgets. That's awesome. Um, so uh, I, I was saying before, Bobby, we have, a, we have a lot of Link Marines within our community. And if I understand correctly, I believe you guys have kind of a relationship with uh, Chainlink. Um, specifically, I, I think you guys are a data provider. Um, could you kind of like walk us through like what that relationship looks like? And if so, like how you guys are monetizing um, your data through Chainlink? Yeah, um, yeah, the chain, the Link Marines, you guys, very strong community. I, I was speaking at the, the Chainlink SmartCon conference um, two weeks ago, uh, gave the state of crypto markets uh, keynote presentation at the start of the conference. So it was a massive conference, online conference. Um, so yes, we do provide our data. So uh, to Chainlink, what happens is Chainlink is a decentralized Oracle and it relies on various different feeds to sort of curate the price for every token. So um, Chainlink will get data from us and from, I don't know, four or five different data aggregator or maybe more and sort of get the median price to be sent to all these DeFi applications to sort of do their, their, their pricing fee as a pricing feed. Um, the Chainlink guys have invited us to run a node and to, so that we can be paid, uh, but we haven't done it so mainly because we don't have the resources. So sort of like, I guess, leaving quite a lot of money on the table. Uh, we got to onboard a DevOps engineer to kind of take care of this uh, infrastructure, uh, but, we're not doing that at the moment, so sort of relying on third-party node infrastructure provider to sort of read our API and provide it to the Chainlink uh, network at this point in time. Gotcha. And so, what is so? How does that like supply and demand function kind of work? Is it um, you just kind of have all the data there already, and you get paid out by like the amount of queries that are kind of like pinging your data set? Um, like, what does that look like? 
I, I think it's somewhere along the line. You get paid for every request that is made, but I'm not too sure at this point in time because we are not running the node or no, are we getting paid? I think we're not getting paid right now. I don't think so. We're not running nodes. So the node prop, node, node operators get paid for the, for the request. Gotcha. Okay. Hey, Bobby, I'm, I'm curious, uh, with, with the API, um, how, many, how many requests per minute are you guys able to, to process? I think the free API supports um, up to 100 requests per minute right now. Let me just check real quick again. Uh, no, it's gone down to 50 requests per minute. And then the, the pro API supports up to 500 requests per minute. Oh, wow. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, I really did, like you did touch kind of on the education session section a little bit um, earlier with the books, uh, but I am curious, like you guys have your own podcast, you're doing newsletters, you're putting out reports, guides, um, all of this different type of content. Um, what kind of inspired you like initially to create all these different educational sources uh, for the crypto community to, to utilize? To some extent, I almost feel like it's a responsibility to sort of educate the market. Like there's just so much misinformation out there. And it feels that if we don't do anything to sort of educate the market, then we're sort of allowing all this misinformation to permeate the market. So we feel that being where we are, where a lot of people sort of rely on us for information, we have this interesting opportunity to educate the market on what is the right way of thinking about crypto, I suppose, or the kind of at least not looking at fraud, for example, or, or getting wrong information. And a lot of this, we also view the crypto space as a space that is, could be something that is really complex for many people. And we kind of feel that we have this interesting ability to kind of simplify concepts to, so that the average guy can make sense of things. Uh, I mean, if you look at the kind of coin, the users of CoinGecko, like a lot of people, like there's kind of two large groups of users. One of them are like the extremely sophisticated users, people like you and I, who kind of look into crypto every day, who kind of knows everything that is happening in crypto. And there's a lot of this group of people. So we don't really need to educate these people because they can educate themselves, but they are still interested in knowing kind of what's going on in the market and a snapshot because there's just so much things that's going on. But kind of the bigger opportunity, I suppose, are like a lot of the beginners and there's a lot of crypto beginners who don't really know much. And we, we feel that it's kind of our responsibility to kind of at least educate them on, on some of the interesting uh, capability of crypto and some of the interesting things like yield farming, for example, to kind of go out and learn how to use all these things, uh, all these DeFi application, because if, if not, like, uh, information is out there, but it's really, it's, it's, it's spread all across the, the web, and it, it's, it can be quite daunting for a beginner to get started, for example, in DeFi. Yeah, I, uh, I love that you, like, specifically called out um, education, like, it's importance. like, you know, a lot of times that we're, we're bringing on projects as kind of projects that you can invest in or, or protocols, right? Um, but for me um, and us, it's like, you know, that's kind of the purpose of the base space for us is education, whether that's like 
just general knowledge or tips and tricks of like how to get ahead or maybe like uh, potential good investments. So like, I love that you're touching on that. Um, and I'm actually curious, like kind of in line with that, like what are some unique ways to use CoinGecko maybe that the average person is like missing or kind of like, um, like what is that extra slice of like alpha? Because me personally, CoinGecko is like a must have in the, the toolkit. If you're like about to start researching a project, it's literally for me, it's the first place I go to is CoinGecko. And then that's where my, that's like the launch pad for me to like start researching. So I, I like to think that our newsletter is useful. Like, I mean, a lot of people, and sometimes I find it myself. So even though I'm full-time in crypto, like there's just so much news that's happening in crypto that it's just really hard to keep up to date with things. So our, new, our daily newsletter, we, and it's a free newsletter, for example, uh, at this point in time, we, we kind of curate the three to four top news of the day. I mean, if you have no time to read anything in crypto, if you open a CoinGecko newsletter just for that daily crypto fix, you kind of know what's going on in crypto over the long haul. So it, it kind of has a link to some of the top news in Coindesk, Cointelegraph, for example, or, or Decrypt, and then like a short summary that our guys write, uh, that's useful. Uh, also, like we've, I, I like to think that our, our farm watch newsletter on the premium subscription is useful. Like there's just so many farms going around and um, the farms that our team curates, uh, I kind of open it every Saturday to sort of see what's interesting if I should rotate my farms to a newer farm. Uh, so I have a few of these newsletters that I subscribe to, uh, of which I also kind of rely on the CoinGecko newsletter. And every weekend, I suppose, I sort of decide, should I kind of keep my farms in this farm, in this farm or should I kind of rotate it to a new farm? So, so some, these, are, these, are, these are things uh, that I thought would be interesting uh, for some of you guys who, who, made, who are not subscribed to them yet. No, that's awesome. I um, I'm curious if you have like data that suggests like new new users to crypto that engage with you know your newsletter or read your education or purchase books, if they're more likely um, to stay in the space. Because um, I feel like a lot of new users do wind up bouncing, uh, especially if they if their first initial investment uh, maybe turned poor or they just don't have the patience to to wait out a bear cycle. Yeah, I don't have the data for that, unfortunately, but I think a lot of people are sort of attracted to the space when it, uh, because of the price. So I think a lot of people, uh, maybe it's the young person's mindset. And I realized that it's not just any young person in any country, in a particular country. It's kind of the same thing in many countries. A lot of them kind of, want to see fast gains uh, and they are kind of attracted to the crypto space because of the volatility in the space so kind of tokens going up 50 percent and then coming down 40 percent the next day is kind of like opportunity to make money both ways i suppose you can long and then short a token um, obviously people there's only so many times that people can get burned before they give up completely and leave so um, we'll be in, I don't know. I don't know the answer. That's the right answer. I, but I mean, if you look at the space, like if you kind of enter the space at the right time, it doesn't take a genius to make a lot of money. Uh, but you guys, this, this guys has got to know when to call it quits because it will come a time when there will be a bear cycle. And then no matter what you trade on, you'll just lose a lot of money. And if you sort of over trade, then 
yeah, it's a recipe for a disaster. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Maybe a, kind of an off the top uh, interesting concept would be, you know, team up with your exchange partners that you're already working with and, um, you know, kind of track users and understand like, hey, if they're engaging with education or they're reading X book, you know, they're, they're staying in the space um, and, and not, not bouncing, not leaving or maybe having, having better uh, results. We'd be curious to to understand that. And I, I know you guys are heavily focused on education. I feel like the next step would maybe be uh, building out like a certificate program or something along those lines. Is that something that you guys have considered launching? We, we've thought about the idea, but I'm not so sure if we want to do it yet, like certification. Um, yeah. So, I think building a curriculum and 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 uh, and then a, an examination like an evaluation process and then issuing a certificate and whether people will find this certificate useful I suppose is another question so I don't know may, maybe maybe not but kind of leading towards maybe not at this point in time I suppose um, but yeah I don't know who who knows things may change in the future right yeah 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 no no absolutely just a just a kind of an interesting concept i was i was toying with um uh, it's an interesting idea i agree but but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no worries um i i know that you know coin gecko is heavily focused right now on tracking um you know coins obviously tokens um i was in, I was i was kind of curious if you would be um, exploring tracking NFT collections, like as an example, tracking the average price of like the CryptoPunks over time, uh, that, that entire collection. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that we're looking into. Uh, we are big fans of NFTs, so we've known the XC Infinity guys, I don't know, from 2018. We've looked into it since the early days. We went to meet the XC team in, yeah, in Vietnam. Um, all the way in 2018 and then nobody was talking about XE, right? It was kind of a small niche thing going around. Always knew that NFT is going to be big. Uh, I think kind of surprised that it happened this year. Uh, again, it's probably mindset because we are so early, always thought that it's five years from now, so it's going to be in the future, but the future is here today, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, I think all the biggest worry about NFTs is that the hard thing to track about NFTs is that there's always issues with liquidity, uh, but I think there's some play with regards to the floor price that we can potentially track. So um, I think that's something that we are looking into and how do we want to do it? When do we want to do it? Uh, I think it's all the teams working on it, I suppose. I'm actually curious, Bobby, um, kind of like on the topic of like maybe things to come down the line. What, what is CoinGecko's like goal as a company um, looking out three to five years, which I know that's like a lifetime in this industry uh, but like, what will be kind of the quote brand of CoinGecko as this industry really starts to kind of mature and solidify? Yeah, kind of. We we we, we kind of look at a space as a space where it's going to be it's it's never going to get easier, right? It's going to get more complex, if any anything. And we want to be a space where people come to us to kind of get data or info on anything crypto. So at this point in time, a lot of people rely on us for fungible token information. Uh, but we can sort of imagine like the future, a lot of people will look into uh, more metrics, 
kind of like we start seeing the PE ratio and the PS ratio and all the kind of other financial metrics kind of build up for the fungible token space. Uh, we sort of imagine like CoinGecko, we sort of build all these things and then you'll find it easy, we'll kind of make it easy for the user to sort of sort through or make sense of all this data uh, in a simplified manner. And then also like crypto space moving extremely fast and there will be new avenues of data coming through. Like NFT is a niche by itself. And we are thinking like, how can we at CoinGecko play a role in uh, analyzing or tracking all these NFT data? And, and, and there could be things in the future that hasn't been created yet. God knows what they will be in the future. But, and that's kind of where we want to be. We want to be on the front, uh, frontier, the forefront of things to kind of make it easy for, for, for the user to, to, to track all these things so that they just come to CoinGecko and kind of get to do all the research in, in, in one place. I love that. It's kind of like the uh, the Google of the blockchain world in terms of like searching for information. Yeah, I like I like that word, but like it's just I mean calling yourself the Google of blockchain is like a big thing to live up to. So I don't they really want to use that in just oh. in case we don't live up to expectation. <laughs> for sure, more more in the terms of like it just being a verb, right? Um, it's kind of like just mm -hmm. having that, like that brand name recognition where it's just like, it's just synonymous with like the action of looking up something. Yep. No, a hundred percent. I, I think you guys have huge expectations. I mean, you already have grown to this size, uh, you know, in just a short period of time, you obviously have a very senior team. Uh, understand the history of the space and I'm sure you guys understand like the vision and kind of we're seeing things that maybe we're not even aware of uh, and uh, no this is super exciting and Bobby I just really really appreciate you taking the hour to, to talk to all of us plus one to that and uh, I definitely appreciate you coming on here and spreading educational content like Chase had mentioned that's that's why we started this well first we started it as like friends just hanging out and then it really started going into education. And I think that's where all three of us really want to push this. So we do appreciate you coming on and spending time and uh, basically just talking about your platform. Yeah, thank, thanks a lot for hosting me. Really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who's listening in as well. 100%. And, uh, and Bobby, we do record these. Are you cool if we uh, post this up on YouTube? Absolutely. Let's go. All right, Bobby. I'll, I'll let you go. I'm sure you, I'm sure you got plenty of stuff to do. Uh, stay based, everyone. Peace. Peace, guys. See Thanks. you guys.